Thanks, Wes. Fantastic. Can I get you to take these two down? Fantastic. Well, that's enough about our workplace. I just want to take a moment to think a little bit about our topic of working it out. So we've been looking at this idea of working it out and what does it mean to be uh, people who are following Jesus in our workplace and we also wanted to make sure that we affirmed you in what you do in your everyday to equip you to do it more fully uh, and to activate you. So it's been a great series so far. We've actually had quite a lot of interviews and some really great stories coming out but I want to talk to you about these three blokes. These three blokes, their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You may have heard of them, you may have never heard of them, but they are fantastic blokes and there is a story about them that I'd like to just engage with you for just a moment. So these three blokes found themselves in a very tricky place. They were in the ancient kingdom of Babylon, this great kingdom. They'd been brought into exile and they were Hebrew men and uh, they were sort of in a position of... um, Uh, you know, working, kind of like working for the council and the civic life of the city. And there was a king called Nebuchadnezzar. And he fired up his big fiery furnace and he had smelted a great whopping statue of himself and he propped it up and he said, when I play the music, everybody has to bow down to the great whopping statue. And our three boys, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they looked at each other and they went, oh no. He's asking us to worship a statue of himself, the king. And we know in the core of our being, that is not what we are meant to do. That is not how we were raised. That is not what God asked of us and how he wanted us to live our lives. He said, don't worship any other idol. And that is what King Nebuchadnezzar is asking us to do. So they kind of looked sideways at each other and said, what are we going to do? They took a deep breath and they said, we are actually going to say, no, we won't bow down to the great whopping statue. So they, they knew that this was a big deal because the consequence of not bowing down and worshipping the great whopping statue was you would be chucked into the very fiery furnace that the statue was smelted in and you would burn to a crisp. So it was a very risky decision. So anyway, they had decided not to bow down and word got out and back to the king and they w- the king was told these boys... Our boys would not bow down to the statue. So the king called them in and he says, boys, 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 tell me it isn't so. Tell me it's not true. Tell me that it's all a big mistake. Surely when the music plays, you bow down and you worship my statue and my gods and everything else that goes with it. And I reckon the boys, they looked at each other, you know, like, there's an ad on TV where the, where the husband and wife, they're about to jump off the cliff into the water and they go, one, two, three, and only one of them jumps. It's a bit like that where they look at each other and they go, we said we would, we said we would jump. Are you going to jump? Because if I jump, you better jump him. I mean, I'm going to jump in. Because this is a big deal. Their lives are at stake. So they looked at each other and they drew a big breath and they said, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. And they held their breath. It was a really big deal because their lives were at risk. The big fiery furnace had been uh, stoked up seven times its amount. So what they had done is in that exact moment is they had decided to stand firm and make a decision about the current climate they were living in. 
They knew that the temperature of the climate that they were working in was not okay and they had made a decision to stand with courage and make a change and call it to account. So not just to be thermometers where they stood back and said, boy, it's hot, boy, it's not okay, boy, it's an unhealthy environment, boy, it's an unhealthy temperature. They said, we are going to act as thermostats and we are going to cause something that changes the temperature. And so by standing, they did. So King Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression on his face changed from buddies, tell me this is not the truth, to boy, they are in big trouble. He ordered the furnace, heated seven times its usual heat and he threw them in. Because the reality is that sometimes when we take a stand against the current climate, it is not always going to end up rosy. You might end up in the heat. And these boys did. They ended up thrown into the fiery furnace because this is what they did. They actually had to weigh things up because there are times when you need to absolutely firmly stand on your conviction and say, no, it is not okay. And other times you have to be a little bit more gentle and hold compassion in the other hand and say, actually, I kind of get it and I'm kind of... You know, sometimes we need to adopt a situation wholeheartedly because it's okay. Sometimes we need to adapt things and make them work and sometimes we absolutely need to abandon an action and say it's not okay and they were doing this big juggle our three boys and they had to stand firm with one foot in loving humanity and the other foot in living with humility and they had to stand courageously and they did so they went into the fiery furnace and this is the bit that I really love is that the king is looking in and he's expecting to see three boys frying in there, but he doesn't. He looks in and he says, hang on, hang on, hang on. They are not burning and there is another person in there with them. And he went to the edge of the furnace and he called them out. And he called them out and as they came out, they weren't burned, they weren't singed, they did not even stink of fire. They came out and and King Nebuchadnezzar makes this beautiful, beautiful statement. Calls them out and he makes this decree. Therefore I make a decree, he says, Any people, nation or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid to ruins for there is no other God who is able to rescue them in this way. Whoa, they changed the temperature. Okay, he was still going to tear people limb from limb so there was a long way to go but they actually changed the temperature because they stood firm, they weighed it up and they said, no, this one we have to actually abandon and stand firm with courage. And they did it, and they changed the climate. And I guess for us, as we're thinking about this topic of of our work and what we do with our everyday life, that we actually need to be able to do what they did. Weigh it up, balance it, have a think. Is this the thing I stand on? Is this the thing I go soft on? Is this the thing I modify and change? Because we actually, the proofs in the pudding will look different when we stand firm and when we stand with courage. So today we're talking about shape. We've been talking about a line and aligning ourselves with what we do in our everyday work. We've been talking about how we can actually shine in the places where we live our daily lives. But today we're going to talk about what does it mean to shape them? And that's a big call. We're going to have some panel interviews in a little while and find out what are some stories about how people are doing that. Hand out, that's it. I don't even turn my 
That's much better. Why don't you take your hand out? You might be sitting on it or it's just underneath your chair. You might want to follow along with us this morning in some of the things that we're going to be covering. Very good. And whilst we're getting that, I have noticed there's some people in our room here who are working, wearing their work clothes this morning. One in particular, Jared, could you please stand up for us? Now, I believe... Yes, put your hands together for Jared. We've got one more Working It Out series, so it's this week, Mother's Day next week, and the one after we're going to close the series off, Cam Cormack's going to be speaking to us on that day. Bunnings Warehouse, is it true they have the lowest prices? It's just the beginning. Yes. And today here in this place, will you not match it by 10% but 20%? Just for you. Just for us? When's your next shift, Jared? This afternoon, okay, we can all head down this afternoon, 20% off, you heard it right here in this place from Jared. Well done, thanks mate, that's very good, very good. Um, what we're wanting to unpack today is this theme on shape, and that gentleman you just saw the validation video clip of was someone who was intentionally shaping his culture, if you like, his fish tank. How do I build for God's kingdom in my work life? How can I join God in his work through my work? Align, shine, shape. Kingdom bringer. So we're talking about and thinking about our workspaces today as fish tanks. So Carolyn, could you describe what your fish tank is like and uh, could you give us an insight into what do you do, um, what are your responsibilities and what do you love about your work? Sure. So uh, I work at Monash Health. Um, I am doing a full-time job in part-time hours. So I work three days a week but um, do a fair bit of work from home as well. Uh, my job, my role, I'm at, by training a sonographer, so I work in ultrasound in radiology, and that's my background. I've done some extra study in medical education as well, so my role now is training doctors how to use ultrasound in their workspaces. So these are doctors who don't traditionally use ultrasound, um, but have little handheld devices or bedside devices, and they might work in the emergency departments or intensive care or surgeons, uh, anaesthetists and others, and they uh, need training and credentialing in that um, use potted version. So Very good. What do you what love about your, your job? I love teaching people things, so that's fantastic. I'm also, I love the the negotiation, the building and creating of things. So I've um, this program started from a pilot seven years ago and it's built up to be a, a, a big thing now and um, I'm really thrilled about that, so I love all, the, all of that. And I like herding cats and I get to herd the smartest, <laughs> cleverest cats really, that you could possibly teach oh, when you're good. talking about the, the people that I teach. We're going to talk about so that, that in a little while yes. in your fish tank. That's very good. <laughs> Might I say, um, you um, have done a great job. Can you pass it on to Gonok? Gonok, please, I want to ask you, what's your fish tank like? Um, because we love your fish tank as well. Can you tell us about it? Uh, I'm a, I work in the coffee industry. Coffee. Uh, I'm the quality manager at our roasting facility in Knoxfield. Um, yeah. All right, so you are the quality, and all the coffee we drink around here is from your place, is that right? Uh, that one, yes. Yes. Uh, any okay. takeaways, I can't assure you. If it's ours. <laughs> yeah. So if you think it's quality, it's because of Gonok. If you don't think it's quality, it's because of Gonok. Um, <laughs> what do you love about your your job there in coffee in Wonturna? Uh, I love the, the environment's good. Yep. We've got a very good culture there. Uh, we're all good friends. Uh, we've got two of each from every nationality. We call it the Duncan and Justin's Ark. Um, <laughs> Sorry, what did you just say? Uh, Duncan and Justin is a boss's name and the Ark. Because <laughs> we've got two of each nationalities. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so uh, it's a good place. Uh, very encouraging. We're all good friends, like I said. And um, yeah, 
Good, fantastic. Grant, Grant, uh, you started up a law firm 24 years ago. You are a partner with a friend, so you were the two founding partners of that. Could you describe what that firm does? Well, in terms of a fish tank, sometimes it feels like a fish tank because <laughs> I'm surrounded with glass and from my office in Melbourne I can look out to the bay and long for the freedom of the sea. So I feel a bit like a, a goldfish sometimes there. And in Sydney, I can look out to the Sydney Harbour and want to find Nemo. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, so a managing partner of, uh, of, a, of a medium-sized law firm and, and a training that does compliance and uh, corporate training. And uh, what I love about it, I love, I love the people, uh, I love the staff that I work with, uh, I love the clients, uh, I love solving problems. Um, yeah, and, and the variety uh, involved in both the law firm and in presenting with the training and uh, conferences and that sort of thing. It's very good. Now, given that you're into compliance too, did you just get a whole bunch more work as a result of the last two weeks and the uh, Royal uh, Commission? Uh, uh, most of our clients are in the financial services industry, so uh, you know, you'll be having, uh, having dinner with them one day and watching them being examined in the, uh, in the Royal Commission the next day, so which is uh, it's sort of fun. No, more fun for me than them. <laughs> <laughs> Is that spoken like a true lawyer? But <laughs> it's very good. Uh, Carolyn, Carolyn, let's just come back to you for a moment because in our fish tanks, there's climates every day. There's a climate in our fish tank. Can you describe what the climate is like in your fish tank? Well, my fish tank is the biggest health network in Victoria and possibly Australia. So it's a big juggernaut with multiple hospitals at multiple sites and lots of activity. So I guess the overall larger fish tank, the climate is one of busyness, stress, overtaxed health system. Any politicians in the room, <laughs> please listen. Um, but I guess in my more microcosm fish tank, my immediate circle and the program I run and the people I interact and collaborate with, I would say it's a real culture of positivity and collaboration that we've been able to build over a number of years and that's just awesome to be part of. Very good. And if there were some downsides to the culture or the climate in, in your fish tank, so I've got a picture here of every fish tank has a climate, what might that be? Could you just name that? Downsides that would exist in the medical fish tank would be ego, um, conflict, uh, turf protection or territorialism. Uh, ego would probably be right up there and career-drivenness. I mean, we're dealing with a particular beast that is, is the, the medic and, uh, yeah, sometimes that's an interesting thing to deal with. Okay. Thanks, Carolyn. Gonok, for you, um, what's the climate like in your fish tank? Uh, like I said, we're all good friends. So um, if something does happen, it, it's, uh, it's a bit more uh, intense or stressful sometimes because there's two people who know each other really well not talking to each other. Okay. Uh, mostly happens because uh, uh, i give you an example. Uh, there was an instance where um, uh, two guys working in the same um, department and um, they both share similar responsibilities. If something needs to be done. They're both looking at each other to get it done. Uh, and uh, they're not happy. Everyone else is not happy. It's stressful. And uh, they just go on like that. <laughs> it just gets stressful for uh, everyone else. So that can happen. And yes. it has happened. Yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, until uh, we had a chat and said, you need to grow up. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> yes, they did. You just said that. <laughs> Grant, what's the, the climate like in your industry, in your firm, in, your, in the business, the people you're dealing with? Uh, it's, uh, it's very demanding. Um, there are always deadlines. Uh, the law is always changing. Technology is always changing. The application of the law to... Uh, to, to those technologies and what people are wanting to do, um, uh, you know, it's, it's intellectually stimulating. And it's also very challenging. So, 
it, it can be quite stressful. Everybody's working very hard, long hours and, and so on. Uh, but it's also great because uh, with that, it's kind of a productive pressure and we're, we're all a team and we help each other out and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really uh, great environment for the right person. Uh, not everybody swims in that yeah. environment very well, but, but uh, for our team, it's good. Very good. Um, thank you, Grant. Um, Carolyn, we just want to shift this, this idea of... Um, we've been talking about Jesus' upside-down kingdom and, and therefore one of the roles that someone who's a follower of Jesus can do is actually, in light of that kingdom, shape their fish tank. And so what I've got up here now is a fish tank of um, some of Jesus' words in the, his sermon on the mountainside that he gave. He said words like this, "'Blessed are the peacemakers.'" Blessed are the poor in spirit, not the haughty ones that stand on everyone, but the humble ones. Blessed are the pure in heart, not the dirty in heart. Um, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what is fair, good, right. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the the meek, not the weak, but those ones who have a, a different kind of attitude to the world around. When you look at those words of Jesus, what is it that most aligns in your space with what he's on about, not, maybe not one of those words, but what is the best alignment for you as you see in your fish tank? Um, peacemaking. Okay. I run the United Nations of ultrasound, <laughs> definitely. So I, I, I love, um, I love the, the idea of, as Christians, being excellent at what we do. So yeah. I think that you bring that, you inspire confidence and trust in people because you're competent, you're a can-do person, you work hard and you're seen to do that. I think that's just a, a really flat-out given no matter what your job role is. Um, I think when you do that, you have integrity and people will trust you. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's just slow building blocks of all of those elements to gain a position of trust and yeah, to be able to prosper in the you know to for the work to go well. Yeah, I heard you also say that there's a sense of um, mercy. The, the work that you do is very much aligned um, because it's, it highlights. Um, that's right. Mercy. Yeah. That's true, indeed. So that's a, a really big part of being in the healthcare um, area is that obviously I'm working with people who love people and who are there to help people. So you can always tap into that no matter what other conflict or politics is at play. Uh, at, the, at the root of it, people involved in all the, the medical professions are people, people who operate with compassion and caring for others. So my role, obviously, I answer to a lot of directors in a lot of different departments because the role is collaborative and it's grown and become a thing. Um, One of the sort of most memorable situations I had was um, of just seeking to adapt a situation. I had two very powerful directors who collided wildly and this was a historical thing preceded me but unfortunately it was a real roadblock to us progressing with this collaborative program. A lot of ego at play, a lot of other factors. Um, I guess I'd done everything humanly possible uh, to try to inspire confidence and to get collaboration and and understanding across the things that we weren't going anywhere. My hands were tied. Uh, So it was a kind of an adapt up to a point situation where I just endeavoured to do everything to mediate this situation. Um, The... I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit here, but the the, the upshot of it was a bit of a breakthrough. I had been... um, 
either hearing on a podcast or a sermon message about Daniel, you know, the Old Testament um, book of Daniel and how he had the ear of the king. And I thought, well, I definitely have that. I couldn't take something away from this. And, and what happened was that Daniel prayed about something and he was given great wisdom and insight and the, and the mind of the king was changed. And I thought... I could try that. So I actually prayed very specifically about this really particular issue that had been a major roadblock for a long time. And um, I, without a word of a lie, I reckon within about a week or so, I um, passed by one of the directors and uh, in the corridor, as often major decisions get made over two-second conversation, he goes... Um, I think we should proceed with that um, particular thing that had been that had been a problem, um, and basically I just had his blessing, which I needed to have because I can't operate without very hierarchical in a hospital. There is no way I have to have uh, high level executive medical endorsement for whatever is going to happen, and that happened. And complete one hundred and eighty transformation, change of shift of mindset completely, which I couldn't have achieved on my own. It's good. It's good. Um, let's continue on with that, that little thought there about how do we shape culture. So, Gonok, in your situation, you've got a unique workplace because you've got some bosses who say, we want you all to run your own business. Can you explain that to us, please? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Our bosses uh, believe in, um, uh, believe in um, giving opportunities to people, in yeah. building, their, um, building their life, building their personalities and building their careers. Um, so they give us opportunities to run our own business, um, to run it in however model you want to. Um, and um, and they always uh, sort of give you the uh, the resources to do it as well, which is very good for us, um, where we learn all sorts of things. And this this very setup, so you set up your own businesses within the business, creates some tension though in the workplace. Yes, we did have a chat of this, that's why Troy knows all this. Um, <laughs> uh, there's uh, a lot of our staff around run their own models and sometimes they clash uh, just in terms of um, clients and uh, the way they approach uh, supply and demand and uh, that sort of things and uh, which uh, divisions they are sort of uh, taking care of. Um, so there is a conflict and um, friends turn to, again, not talking to each other, uh, no Facebook messages for happy birthdays and stuff. So that sort of things. Uh, so there is conflict um, and um, yeah, it does, um, uh, it, is, it is a bit tricky. But um, um, in the in the end, it just uh, people figure out things. And um, do you, what do you specifically do to try and help shape that in a positive way when you see it heading south? Uh, in terms of uh, in terms of what what my model, if if I was uh, when I was given the opportunity, I, I decided to run my model as sort of a, a small business, but community related sort of a business where I'm helping um, organisations and communities to sort of um, uh, build their uh, build their uh, funding up or build their um, sort of work up through my uh, coffee, um, and um, it's um, it's how do I explain this? Uh, it's um, people come with ideas, and um, I say yes, I can help um, run the ideas. Like for example, um, everyone knows Luke Champion. He plays a keyboard uh, here. He he came to me one day and he said, "I'd like to do something uh, to raise funds for." Um, uh, Famine relief. So I said, let's do a program. Let's run a coffee shop at church, and the hundred percent of donations go straight to save the children through that. And Luke's been running that, and I've just sort of aided him. So that's the sort of partnership that you could see that runs uh, with my uh, my company. So very good. Thanks, Connock. Grant, um, setting up the firm twenty four years ago, you decided to um, this particular thing here, set the thermostat um, in your company, and using the 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 uh, ship analogy or nautical analogy, what did you do 
from the ground up? Well, I was very fortunate uh, because when I started the firm, uh, I started it with a fellow by the name of Tim Nethercote who was uh, a good friend of mine we'd met at, uh, at church. And so we were used to praying with each other uh, as part of it. You know, we were in a small group and uh, so we prayed when we were planning the firm and, uh, and every morning, every Monday morning, and this still happens, uh, you know, we meet with the third partner, which, you know, so we pray. Yeah. Um, but now there are five partners and four of them we, uh, pray. So yeah. we, we get together on a Monday morning. Uh, we pray for the staff, we pray for our clients, we pray for the world, we pray for each other and the, our families and so on. And so that's been a really important part of the fabric of the firm right from day one. Yes. Um, and the firm has grown over the years and now it's got a lot more people, but uh, they all know that we pray on a Monday morning. And that seems weird to some of them, uh, but uh, it, um, yeah, I, I think that's been a really important uh, part of the journey of the firm and, and for us as individuals. Um, every so often we go through, uh, you know, trying to find the, the values and discover the values of the firm. Uh, and uh, things you can't necessarily just say well, we want these to be the values and then enforce those on people. It's a question of you know trying to discover what the values of the firm are uh, in the way that it's grown. And uh, we summarise the values uh, as ship. So self-discipline, uh, humility, integrity, and practical intelligence. So uh, self-discipline, people don't need to be supervised, they, they work for themselves, they motivate, well, they, they work for us, but they motivate themselves. Uh, humility, uh, no place for egos, um, particularly easy for me because everybody in the firm is smarter than I am, including <laughs> our newest recruit, who is our daughter, unfortunately, and, uh, and uh, she's got her mother's brains. Um, so humility is really important, being teachable and so on. Then integrity, you know, honouring your promises, saying what you'll, following through with your commitments and so on. And then practical intelligence, uh, you know, you don't just want intelligent people, you want solutions and, uh, and applying those brains to actually helping, helping people. That's so, uh, yeah. And you've also got a mantra that you operate by in order to shape your fish tank. What's the mantra? Yeah, the mantra is sort of people are people first. Um, so, I mean, God created us all. God loves us all. We're created in the image of God. Uh, we need to love others, uh, irrespective of their race, their ideology, their, their age, whatever. Um, and uh, so people are people first. You, you first treat your staff, uh, your, your, your colleagues, your clients as people. And uh, even though in the areas that we work, you know, the clients are likely to be very sophisticated and well-dressed and well-heeled and so on, um, they're still people with needs. And uh, there's an epidemic of loneliness out there and you need, you know, it's not just their legal issues. So, you know, you have an opportunity to actually engage with people as people. Mm. Um, and so that's an important part of the way we operate. It's very good. Uh, you described uh, a lady who retired um, some time past and what she said about this practice of yours of going into y your room on a Monday morning and praying. Could you describe that to us? Yeah, so she'd been with us about 15 years and then she was re uh, retiring for family and health reasons. She's actually since come back, which was, which was great last year, but, uh, but at this point she was, she was leaving the firm. And, uh, you know, we'd been praying for years. Nobody had ever said anything about it. Um, but in her address to the staff as she was leaving, she said, look, I'm not a particularly religious person, but I don't know whether you've noticed that Tim and Grant and so on, they, they, they pray on a Monday morning. And, uh, you know, that may seem a bit weird, but I know that when they pray, they pray for each of us, you know, and they pray for us as individuals. And uh, the fact that, you know, they care enough about us to do that really means something. And uh, it was lovely to hear that. Yeah. Mm, that's wonderful. This idea, have a look at your handout right here, um, adapt, adopt or abandon. It's this idea of a Jesus follower knowing what is the upside down kingdom life of God and how do I actually now go into my workspace and not only take the temperature of it, 
But how can I operate a little bit like a thermostat? And a thermostat actually sets the temperature. It doesn't just reflect it. For example, I heard an elderly gentleman here, whose name is Norman, once tell a story about some boys up the bush. Uh, Up the bush, the boys were playing football and the footy league decided we're going to play on Good Friday. So some of the, the boys in the bush came to Norman and they said, you know what, we just... We don't feel right about this. We're thinking that we should boycott the game and not play for our teams. Norman said, you could do that. You could hold your conviction. But I wonder if there's a way of adapting that, my words. He said, what, what do Aussies do when there's a death in a football family? And they said, well, they wear those black armbands. He said, I wonder on Good Friday, if you were to play, if you could wear that black armband and when people from the opposing team or your own said, who died you could say, there's a man called Jesus, <laughs> and he died. And they decided to go ahead and play the game, and that was, if you like, their way of expressing their convictions. Do you get that? That idea of sometimes we can adapt things. Sometimes there's things that we abandon. I know another story about a guy who was working in the baggage claim at Melbourne Airport. He said, I'd go in there, this is years ago, and they would, uh, in, in that very blokey environment, they'd have pictures of, um, of, of ladies up everywhere, and most of them weren't wearing clothes. And uh, they said at lunchtime they used to watch things that were, and he said, what am I going to do in this environment? There's some things I can affirm and adapt, but I think I need to abandon some of these things. And so what he would do is he, just, he decided that, It's very difficult for blokes who have kids of their own to watch this stuff when they talk about family. So he said, I would sit in front of them in the workplace at the workbench. They would look past me, trying to sometimes watch the videos, and I would ask them how their kids were, how family life was at home. And he said he found that in those places, those two things couldn't side by side sit together. And surely enough, over a period of time, he said at the end of each workday, I would take down the pictures. And uh, he said about three, four months later, I decided, uh, I discovered that I was actually having an impact upon the workplace because an old guy who'd come back after being away for four or five months declared aloud in front of everyone, what's changed about this place? I don't get it. Something's different. And David realised, I'm shaping it. I'm shaping it. I'm shaping it. Carolyn, how do you do that? How do you do that in your workplace, be a thermostat without coming across as being a know-it-all? How do you ground yourself? What do you do? Yeah, I think in even the most secular working environment, there are still some fundamental values that are embraced uh, by people that are quite biblical and godly. So, for example, at Monash, the banner underneath the emblem is integrity, compassion, respect, and so on. So these are values that I I think you can really tap into and... um, use those to help shape and really emphasise something that something needs else. to be changed. You talked about going to work and what do you do on the way to work that helps ground you? Yeah, not all the time because everyone will think I'm super spiritual and I pray about everything up to the examples I've given but I think particularly at times when you know you've got a really difficult day ahead and difficult people or personalities and obstructions, I pray and I um, I just think I listen to podcasts in the car I sort of get in that zone but ultimately I think every time there's been a major breakthrough and this program has grown and succeeded and become a bigger collaboration it's defied logic because we're the first and only of our kind in Australia um, it's it's across departments which 
traditionally everyone is very much silo mentality. You know, the anaesthetics department does not play nicely with this department, does not play nicely with that department. So this has been quite, yeah, a revelation. So what do you do in the car when you drive to work? Pray. You pray. Just ask God to go before me, to walk beside me, to remind me too as well when I'm not doing as well as I could do in, in my conversation or my my attitude to a, a particularly stressful situation. I just ask for him to just remind me and to uh, go before me. And, and often I think that that paving the way, that, that smoothing the way is, is something that I think God does do in the everyday in the workplace. It's good. Gonok, for you, how do you... In, in being a thermostat in your workplace, how do you do that without coming across as being a know-it-all or hypercritical? How do you stay grounded? What do you do? Uh, I think uh, the the model that I run sort of is so different from what everyone else does. Um, there's a lot of, um, uh, in our setting, yeah. everyone else is um, looking at uh, profits for this month, profits for that month. Yeah. Uh, I can't do that with my business because I've made it to be such that it's for, it's for the people. It's not for, it's yeah. not to make a profit. Um, and um, it's, people, uh, they tend to make comments about it, like, oh, where's this going to get you sort of a thing, but that's not the point is what I usually say. Mm. Um, and uh, usually when I have days like that, uh, like Carolyn said, uh, when I have days when I have to uh, sort of uh, face against people, I tend to uh, pray in the car or put on a nice switch with CD or some other CDs that's a bit more inspiring or gives you a bit more uh, strength. Yeah. Um, but um, I, it's um, but I must say uh, it, it is catching on. It is catching on the, um, the whole uh, community idea, okay. the whole idea of um, helping people around is catching on and, and uh, promising results. Hopefully, in about four or five months, I can report back to you. That's good. So yeah. very good, Grant. In in the argy bargy of your workspace, how do you stay grounded so that it you don't come across as being a know-it-all. How do, how do you stay close to Jesus to to ground you? Uh, that's a nice assumption. <laughs> uh, look, I don't. I, I'm not great at uh, and you know setting aside a quiet time. Uh, you know, I've, I've tried many times over the years and said, you know, I've got to be more disciplined about this, and I just I just can't keep. I just had trouble keeping it up. Um, uh, but. But I always feel the presence of God, and uh, it's just always there, you know. So similar to these guys, you know, I, I'll pray in the car. I'll pray before we're about to do something. Will Jesus be with us today in this or in that? Uh, it's just an ongoing relationship. It's not, you know, it's not an event. <laughs> I don't set aside time and say this is an event when I'm catching up with God. It's, it feels like he's there all the time, and it's just an ongoing chat. Um, uh, you know, sometimes when God really wants to talk to me, it gives me a headache. So, you know, I get this really bad headache in the back of the head and uh, there's nothing that will touch it except walking. And it often happens, well, it doesn't often happen, but when it happens, it's usually, uh, you know, in the middle of the night. So I just get up and I walk. And, you know, I might walk for an hour and a half or something. And, uh, you know, the first thing that strikes you is just how wonderful the world is. And you'll see the stars and the freshness and the cold and all that. And you'll think, uh, you know, this is, this is wonderful. This is awesome. And And then you just start praising... God and you start talking to God about your issues and whatever and so you know it's an hour and a half with God and uh, you know and I go to bed and I go back to sleep um, <laughs> and then the alarm goes off <laughs> but um, yeah so so that's my walk with God and and, and I think uh, yeah and I think it's important to be the same person on Sunday as you are on Monday and Tuesday and we say you not have a different persona for the different places you're with that's good. And, and and I think uh, people pick up on hypocrisy very quickly mm. so I think you just need to try and be the same person in whatever you do, you know, including with your faults and, and everything, you know. So, yeah. 
It's very good. You know, as I've been talking to the three of you over the last week, I've been so impressed in the way in which you intentionally go about shaping those. Sometimes even um, unintentionally, but you're doing it without even naming it as well. And so just really appreciate that. We want to affirm you this morning. Would you put your hands together for Grant and Gonock? And, and Carolyn as well. Um, very good. Uh, Craig, could you join us up on the... We're going to just play some music now. And I would like to shift us, if you like, into a time of uh, a little bit of reflection. Why don't you go ahead and, and take that hand out of yours. And I just invite you to have a look at a prayer that Jesus gave his followers. See, the kingdom of heaven doesn't just happen... It's forged. It's forged in our lives. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, would you teach us how to pray? He said, I'm going to do one better than give you a a rule prayer. I'm going to give you a shaping prayer for your life, for your workspace, for your environment. So he said this, our Father in heaven, may your name be honoured. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us today the bread we need. Forgive us our wrongs as we forgive those who sin against us. Don't bring us into temptation, but rather would you rescue us from the evil that lurks in the corners of of this world and my workspaces and sometimes my mind and my heart and You see, Jesus was giving them a kingdom-shaping prayer, like a pledge of allegiance. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honoured. What would it be like if I woke up every morning and I said, God, you're God and I'm not, and I want to honour you and make your name look really great today in my school, in my university, in my community, in my workspace. May you be honoured as I'm combing my hair and making myself look real pretty. And then what would it be like if I, on, on the way to my work, I was praying and I was saying, God, may your kingdom come. Blessed are the blessed are the blessed are. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. And that I would pray that like it's a pledge every day. Because I reckon when you do that, then there's only three prayers left, three requests. God, give me what I need today to do the things before me. Would you provide for me? God, when I blow it in my workspace, in my school, in my community, at home, it's uh, my university, would you forgive me? Ah. That means I've got to forgive someone else I've been holding a grudge against for years. Doesn't it? seems too hard for me to do that but you're just going to have to help me do it and as I enter my workplace there's going to be some things that I need to adapt and some things to adopt and some things to abandon so would you please help me not to buy into all the other schemes and kingdoms of this world may you help me bring your upside down one here which means you're going to have to protect me from evil and the evil one
I wonder what it would be like if you got to write your own prayer. Pete's going to come in a moment and the band's going to play a song, beautiful song. And I just want to create a space for you. Some of you might just want to close your eyes and recite that prayer. Make it your own. Some of you might want to take pen to paper and say, I'm going to write that now in my own words. That's what I'm going to stick on the, uh, the visor, the mirror, the screensaver. Because I want that to become my shaping prayer. You see, the kingdom of heaven isn't just, it doesn't just fall from the sky. It's forged through hard conversations, difficult workplaces, bearing up under hardship. But that's where the power of God and his kingdom meets the kingdoms of this earth. So as Pete comes, take this time. Right here. Let's shape a new world.